welcome to today's episode of Confessions of a Cleaning Business Owner. And today we're going to be talking about how to improve staff attendance in your cleaning business. Um, I'm Louise here with Diane Greenwood here today. And um, I've been doing, I've done a presentation on this tonight um, in our DCBN group. And as part of it, I have to do an awful lot of research. And so I've been looking at some stats, Diane, as to absenteeism figures, and I wanted to share a few of them with you to kind of get your thoughts on whether actually this does impact the cleaning industry and how it impacts. So it's a big, gonna, big one, isn't it, in our industry? It is a it is a big one. Now, the figures that I've pulled are all from national agencies. And I am going to caveat before we start that they're national figures. None of these are specific to the cleaning industry. And like any data, it does sometimes depend how you interpret the data. So, you know, but I'm going to give these and they do seem to be pretty much correct. But we'll see. So I'm going to start, first of all, with what's your opinion as to whether the cleaning industry, in particular, the domestic cleaning industry, do you think it's representative of absenteeism figures compared to the nation as a whole? How do you think it compares is my question. Well, in my experience, um, I would say that it's not representative. I would say that if we're looking at general attendance figures across the UK of employees, I think the cleaning industry you could probably double it. Double it? Mm. Okay. So hopefully we're going to explore why that is. But let's actually look at the absenteeism figures. And before we do... There's kind of three types of absenteeism. I can't even say this word, absenteeism. <laughs> um, so there's obviously approved absenteeism. So somebody says, you know, I've got to go to this appointment. I'm really sorry, I'm giving you a week's notice. And it's like, well, right, fine, you're going. There's obviously occasional things. People get sick. Things happen. They have to have a day off. You know, they got toothache. They broke an ankle. That's quite bad, actually. Um, and then there's chronic absenteeism. So... When I give you the data, probably covers all of them. Okay, but I want you to bear in mind there's lots. So first of all, in 2023, sickness absence rates hit 7.8 days per year on average. That's in 2023. And that's the highest level reported in a decade and two days more than pre-pandemic. Wow. What's your thoughts on that? Because when we talk about pre-pandemic, that was 2019. We're now in talking about 2023. So we're four years later. Why would they be two days higher? It's it's worrying, isn't it? And it's worrying if that's a trend, is it going to continue to rise? And what's, yeah, it's finding out what's causing it though, isn't it? Which is key. And there's so many debates, aren't they, around, the, the, you know, in the media about, you know, mental health, um, and also, you know, some of the, the problems with the NHS, as an example. So maybe is that causing some of it? I don't know. So it gives me the stats. It doesn't give it a breakdown. So it's for us to analyse. Mm. But um, it does seem to be a bit higher. I've got to say, in my own business, if I look at the stats compared to four years ago, I'm not sure it's dramatically different. No, I, I think I think it's always been double the national average. Yeah. <laughs> it was always it. high. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay um now this is an interesting one and, and i've got to say i do have contradictory evidence of this but in 2022 the sickness absence rate was 3.7 percent for part-time workers and 2.4 percent for full-time workers so this is saying that part-time workers are 1.3 percent more 
absent from sickness than full-time workers. Uh, why? There's, there's going to be so many reasons behind this, aren't there? And, and actually, it's not. I don't think it's unexpected. I've never seen it broken down like that between part-time and full-time. But it's not a surprise because there's so many reasons, aren't there? If somebody works full-time, they are much more reliant on the income, for instance, perhaps. Whereas if somebody works part-time, that either means there's somebody else in the in the household that is working as well, or it means that you know there, there are tax credits, aren't there? So actually working part-time suits them from a family point of view, but they are perhaps getting extra help um, to top up. And I think the other reason is, why are they part-time? So the reason that they've probably chosen to go part-time or, or almost found that that's the only work that they could find, but if they've chosen to go part-time, it's because they've got other commitments, potentially other caring responsibilities, children, family, various other things. Um, so that might suit them. But then all those additional responsibilities then potentially have knock-on um, effects on their absence rate yeah um, they're doing it to work around a family but family gets in the way is the wrong word but family takes precedence doesn't it yeah and then you know there are some people that go part-time because they maybe can't do full-time work so they can't do full-time work because of health reasons and maybe they either physically can't they can't concentrate for that long they know that they're not going to sleep well there's various health issues as to why you would do part-time work and actually, a lot of those health issues will then have a knock on effect as to higher sickness rates, which is why you're part time in the first place. So is it surprising? No, I don't think it is. You know, when you when you talk about it like that, it's like it's probably something that as business owners we, hasn't been considered, though. And I don't know, you know, people listening might be going, oh, <laughs> yeah, that might explain a few things. Now, can I add a caveat to this? Upon further research into this data, there was actually a completely contradictory set of research that says there is no higher absence rate for part-time workers than full-time oh, workers. Interesting. Okay, so <laughs> lies so, and statistics, you don't know which to believe. <laughs> so having just analysed that, it does make sense to me why there would be a higher absence rate, but there is data to suggest there's not. But I have got some unrefutable data here. So 2023 school absence rates okay so we've got it breaks it down into authorized and unauthorized so i'll read you the data so 5.1 percent absence in state funded primary schools and that's 3.7 percent authorized and 1.4 percent unauthorized we've got 8.3 percent absence in state funded secondary schools with 5.2 percent authorized and 3.1 percent unauthorized and 12.6% in state-funded special schools with 9.5% authorised and 3.0% unauthorised. So just to give you the headline figures, primary schools have an absence rate of 5.1%, secondary schools 8.3%, and state-funded special schools 12.6%. And um, as we know, those working part-time, if they're doing it around family, are more likely to be affected by the special schools statistic or the primary school statistic, aren't they? And actually, even just the primary school, if that's 5%, that's already way above the average for part-time workers. So... <laughs> It's not just that. If you actually look at the breakdown of authorised and unauthorised, so if we look at the secondary school authorised is 5.2%. So a lot of that is going to be, you know, they're getting braces, you're going to the dentist, or you've got a piano exam, you know, you've got to go and do that exam. Well, every one of these requires a parent to be there, you know, and they're not terrible things or potentially an authorised one may be a, a 
grandparent has passed or something like that will be given as authorized absence um so it's not just like your my child's sick i'm going to leave them at home with a cold or they're skiving these are authorized absences for, but they require parental if you're working part-time quite often if there's a two-parent family and there's one part-time and one full-time it's going to be the part-time person that it most often falls to absolutely yeah so it's again it shouldn't be surprising that you know attendance is difficult in the cleaning industry now controversial one here for you then diane i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going with these figures so state-funded special schools 9.5 percent of the 12.6 percent absences are authorized okay that means nearly 10 percent of absences are authorized okay that's probably not a surprise because at state funded special schools, there are a lot of additional medical appointments, a psychologist. Um, I know that I have got lots of friends and staff that do have children in state funded special schools. Um, do you think, does the cleaning industry get disproportionately affected by this, by the very nature of its work? Um, I don't know. Is there a way of, is it probably not a way of knowing, but Again, if it's people choosing to work part time because they've got responsibilities, then absolutely. I don't see why it wouldn't be having an effect the same as any other type of school. Yeah. But does the cleaning industry get disproportionately affected, do you think? Well, I think the cleaning industry is probably mostly part time workers. So, yes, it is going to be disproportionately affected, but only because of its very nature. And actually, one of the best things, particularly about domestic cleaning, is it does fit around family life. But as a business owner, we have to understand that our team members' family lives can can sort of, you know, affect us. Okay, right. I've got one more for you. You're going to like this. In 2022, the sickness absence rate of women in the United Kingdom was 3.2%, while for men, it was 2.2%. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're talking 1% more for women. Okay, yeah. now we know that the cleaning industry, and I know there's lots of men that listen to this, and I know there's lots of men in the cleaning industry, but men, I'm really sorry, the data that we have pulled up from previous ones, we know that the cleaning industry, in particular domestic cleaning industry, it's 80% plus women. Yeah. So what, what can we draw from this? 3.2% for women and 2.2% for men. Well, we've just we've kind of talked about the reasons already, haven't we? It's women are more likely to be working part time and they're more like obviously they're more likely to be in the industry for, as a whole. But they're the ones that usually have the caring responsibilities. No matter how things have changed, that's usually how things are, isn't it? So can we put the absence rates because you brought up here? It's because people are part time. It's because they have additional caring responsibilities. We've looked at those predominantly. Do you think that actually if we were to start recruiting full time staff, the absence rates would reduce? Um, I don't know, actually. Um, I don't think so, because actually, if you. And I know that there are businesses out there where their team do work full time, but actually we would find that physically it's a tough old job to be doing full time. So do you think that actually while you're you would get rid of some of the care, people that are doing caring, they would often put in other things in place. So they wouldn't be responsible for caring. But what you're saying is actually you would have higher sickness rates because they are physically run down because it's a manual labor job. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons as well as the, the demographic of the team, why it's part-time, isn't it? 
interestingly, I did not pull up the data on manual labour. I should have more. But then again, because they're national data, it's going to be skewed by construction industry and all kinds of things. So, okay. So what you're saying is you don't think that going full time would necessarily solve the absence problem. What about if we recruited all men? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I don't know is the answer. What do you think, Louise? <laughs> I'm going to throw that right back. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to not answer that one. <laughs> um, I think that's a really interesting one. And I think obviously it's a, a one that's debated very much in the Facebook groups. And I have men on our cleaning team. And in the past, I've got to say, we struggled. I have I've actively gone out to skew our recruitment towards taking your men. We have struggled like crazy to to get men. Now, I know that's not always the case. And potentially it is that we very much have a female culture anyway. And so maybe they don't feel comfortable and, and various things like that. And there are cleaning companies that are a lot more men. And, and I'm talking about domestic cleaning here because I know that um, after builders cleans, there a lot more men are attracted to that type of cleaning. But domestic cleaning, there does seem to be um, a little bit of backlash from some of the customers. There can be. But actually, you know, when we have had men on the domestic team in the past, and we do have men in the commercial team, but on the domestic side, actually, they can be a, a real asset in just the same way. And actually, if you think about the um, the uh, awards um, last November, one of the um, three top three on as best domestic cleaner in the UK was a guy well done Sean so um actually you know they they're they're brilliant at it and actually I think the customers it's just a case of them realizing that it's not a female job no I think there is a preconception yeah sometimes with the customers but saying that if I look at the men on my team now compared to 10 years ago we get no backlash now or maybe I'm just not listening to them as much, but it doesn't seem to be the same level of backlash. And when I speak to the, to the men that work on the team, they're not mentioning any issues whatsoever. Whereas 10 years ago, there we were definitely having issues. Customers were regularly mentioning it. Whereas now, they yeah. just don't mention it. Is it a different culture now or...? Maybe I'd like to hope so. Um, and and you know, I know that some of the, the problems that we've had in the past have actually come from within the team rather than customers. Okay, yes. People not being comfortable um, for whatever reason. But that's moved on as well, I think. I think so. Again, I'm, I'm going to look at 10 years ago. We had exactly the same thing. People were saying, if you make me work with him, and to be fair, it's not the person's point of view. There are lovely people and they'd never been met by the person. My husband won't let me work here anymore. What? Your husband's going to make you quit your job because you happen to be in a car to a clean with a man where there is a man that already lives there that he's quite happy with you being in a house with a man. But now there happens to be another man and suddenly we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the, the same scenario that we had. Yeah. And but... we called their bluff and we put them together anyway. And actually they got on like a house on fire and eventually the, the long term partner met him and all was fine. And same yeah. thing yeah so is the, so you know so like we call them unplanned absences so because they're not always sickness are they so this absenteeism is it something that as business owners we just have to find ways of dealing with it or is it some a problem that we can fix so 
Okay, you were the one that told me some really interesting things about this. So let's go back to the cleaning industry for a second, looking specifically at the cleaning industry. And I asked you a few weeks ago when I was planning this, and I was like, why is there such a problem in the cleaning industry? And your answer to me, if you remember it, was that as a service, we exchange time for money. Um, and so I think our absenteeism is felt so much more so I don't know whether we have higher absenteeism than the national average but what I do know is that the impact it has is humongous isn't it yeah absolutely you know and I, I compare you know I've got another business so and I compare that business so I've got a letting agency we've got an administrator in a letting agency if the administrator's off sick it doesn't impact clients or tenants or anybody in the, in the same way as if one of the cleaners is off and we haven't got enough team to cover. So, yeah, because they are literally providing the service with their labour. And if, if, for example, even in my cleaning business, if my admin person went off, I'd probably have to do an hour's admin to do the essential stuff. Yeah. But the rest of her shift, well, she can catch that back up when she's next yeah. back in, in in maybe two days time. And actually, I don't think, oh, I've got to spend all day doing admin covering for her because um, it can wait. Whereas a cleaner goes off. Oh, the pain, the pain we feel is like yeah. you have to. And it's probably you. And for most people listen to this, if they go off, it, it's the business owner that's going to cover. Yeah. And go so and do five hours cleaning and then come back. And you've still got the admin to do. Yeah. Well, you've probably got your own five hours plus their five yeah. hours. That's true. Um, it's impossible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's the impact that it has, isn't it? That's the, the key thing in our industry. So well, the reason why I was researching this is the presentation was actually on um, not necessarily about absenteeism, but it was on um, corporate corporate. And we covered this in a podcast which has gone out uh, today, actually, but it'll be two weeks later by the time you listen to this. So I am going to give you six corporate ways to prevent absenteeism right and and again we've done this how are you how are these going to apply to the cleaning industry so implement a wellness program okay yeah I think that's actually a really good one and it's actually harder than you think though it, isn't it? it it's hard yeah there's, there's there's ways that you can outsource it but it can be expensive but there's ways that you can kind of put it into place in your business as well just by having some key things in place Okay, set a clear employee attendance policy with incentives. See, so we've tried this. <laughs> we've tried with incentives. And what we found was that those that didn't have a problem were incentivized to still not have a problem. And those that were a problem in terms of um, absenteeism had no effect. Um, so they must have felt a little bit bad about themselves. So it probably had a <laughs> negative effect. Perhaps, yeah, because then they were literally getting nothing. So so what we do is, yeah, we have a clear absence policy and we have, you know, return to work forms and things like that. And actually we monitor it statistically. And that seems to make a difference that they realise that we're not noticing it and keeping an eye on them, but actually sometimes that we actually care. And that's where the wellness side comes in as well. Yeah, I, I think this incentives part of it. So setting a clear employee attendance policy, I think is a no brainer, like that's not even debatable. But the incentive side, I don't know how to feel about this because you go off sick. And what a lot of people have is you get paid X amount. So let's say you get paid £11 an hour if you never take a day off sick. And then you get paid minimum wage if you have a day's sickness this month and it gets set each, reset each month. And I mean, those are particularly low figures at the moment, to be fair. But, um, I, you know, I kind of think like 
incentives can actually work in the opposite way. So, you know, you get your bonus or, or let's say they're being paid £13 an hour if they don't have a day sick. But then one month you get your £10.50 because you had one day sick because you genuinely were too ill to come in. And actually, does it then get people to come in when they probably shouldn't be in, when they've got some kind of infectious, you know, diarrhea and vomiting or whatever? Or actually, I've had my day off now. I'm not going to get my bonus. I may as well have three days off. Yeah. And also, it, it's kind of like, right, I had one day off and I'm going to be punished in my pay for the entire month. And they don't see it after a while. Like to begin with, they'll see it as an incentive. Then after a while, they come to expect that higher amount. So if they don't get it, you're seen as being disproportionately punished for your day off. So I don't know. What's your... And well, like I said, our experience of it was that it didn't, you know, the people that were already really great attendants got a bonus. Great. But those that didn't have great attendance, it just didn't change their their attendance at all. So it had no effect other than costing yeah. us a bit more for the people that were had high attendance already. Which is a good thing. They get paid a bit more. But um, OK, so my next one, you've already mentioned how you do this. Address unscheduled absences immediately. And you mentioned return to work form. And that's something I'm going to cover in detail. Uh, we have that included in our training library in the DCBN. Um, brilliant form. I say it's a brilliant form because you provided it. <laughs> I, I, I wrote it. So woohoo, it is a really good form. Um, and I'm going to run through that. There's quite a few slides on that, actually, because I think a lot of people are not necessarily using it to its full advantage. So um, back to work interview, back to work form, back to work, anything you want. But let's talk about it immediately. Um, and it's also in that return to work form where we discover the root cause, which is my next point. So way to prevent absenteeism, discover the root cause. Well, you can only discover the root cause if you're already talking about the reason they were absent in the first place. So. Um, yeah, they're back to work. And, and we, we start. We introduced it for every absence. So yeah. it's you know, if you're off for a day, you still do it. You know, it's 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 regardless of how long you're off for. Yeah, because there's no harm. There's no harm. And again, this is an interesting one because a lot of cleaning business owners, we work in small businesses and we grow. When you take on your friend or your first couple of employees or you know your sister-in-law. Um, and one of the major benefits of working a small cleaning business or any other small business is that you know the people and you know them well and you know their lives outside work and you don't have to deal with all the corporate bump and politics and all of that. And then we're coming along, if you listen to our podcast, and we go, right, introduce these return to work forms. And ours is three pages long, right? And And I don't know how that sits if you're a small business that has really great interpersonal relationships well I do know how it sits people don't like it do they business owners don't like it no and and thing is it's uh, because it's when we start our businesses it is a, a very like that we're very involved with the team and it's only as we grow that we realize the problems of being so informal can cause that actually the ideal is that we introduce it early and it's just how things are done and mm -hmm. and for us also that back to work interview we don't even call it that it's just a back to work meeting it's literally it can be five minutes we just fill out a form details you know make reassurance or questioning however that, that it goes it's not a really formal thing so actually the team just accept it as normal yeah you come back to work we say what's wrong effectively the return to work form is what was wrong just need to write down what was wrong yeah. what are you next when are you next having the doctor's appointment do you want to book that off now like it's really Simple. Okay. Um, another way to present prevent absenteeism and 
Um, okay, I'll tell you. So flexible scheduling and remote work days. <laughs> okay, so you're laughing as much as me here because so in the cleaning industry, there are a lot of businesses that have self-employed cleaners. Now, the awesome thing about being self-employed is that they pick their own hours. Okay. So never should their schedule cause an issue for uh, um, unauthorized absence because they have total flexibility over scheduling. And I'm not sure many people get remote work days. I'm not sure you can clean remotely, but we'll ignore clean that. From home. Yeah. yeah. Flexible <laughs> that's, scheduling. That's just called housework. Yeah. <laughs> so given that in our industry, flexible scheduling is it's amazing. You can be so, so, so flexible. Does flexible scheduling prevent absenteeism in your experience? Well, no, because in domestic cleaning, your whole schedule is flexible. And actually, one of the best things about the job that actually should make it easier for them to, to work is that it is flex, flexible. So it does help, but it's already there, in my opinion. So it's not something that most of us can implement because it's kind of there. But when you, when you're sort of talking about new new team members, I've heard a few people sort of say, oh, well, they can't work the hours that the rest of the team work. Um, whereas actually we have, t and I know your team all start at the same time every day of the week, don't they? Whereas my team, actually some of them start at 9.30, some of them start at quarter to nine, some of them, actually even some of them start at 10. So we're actually really flexible when it comes to working around, you know, dropping kids off at school and things like that. But I'm not, I kind of figured that's normal in the industry, that that's how we do things. Well, this is the thing. Is there a normal? Because one of my things in the presentation is actually, if you want to prevent absenteeism and you want to put in all these structures, then you need to get the structure right behind the scenes. And actually, when we look at it, there is no normal. And I think I've got about 18 different questions as, do you want this or that? Do you want this or that? Some of them, you can't have this, this and that, but you could have this and that. And actually, we're going to go through that um, in the presentation tonight and actually look at the structure of everybody's business and go, well, OK, is this the kind of structure that is going to work? And I do understand one of the things is, you know, do you need an office? Well, when you've got four staff, no, you don't need an office. But actually, have you put in the right systems and are you going to make enough money by the time you get to 16 staff that you are going to be able to afford an office with the structure you have currently got? Um, so um, I've completely gone off track there. But yeah, it's having the right structure to your business. And I don't know if there's a right one. There's definitely some wrong ones, though. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, this is a lesson that we probably all learned in business. And, you know, when I started my business, it was like I was kind of winging it quite a lot. Um, and everything that I had in place, even though I thought I had planned it all out, you know, it didn't quite work in reality. And as the business grew, I had to make major changes, which were a lot more painful than if I'd had the correct structure from the start. But, but the correct structure for an under five staff business is completely different to the correct structure for a 15 staff. And that's not that different, but the actual structure needed in your business can be dramatically different. So you said I, you've had to bring in some changes. Is that not inevitable in almost every business as part of growth? Like you cannot afford at the start unless you walk in with a whacking great investment. You can't put the structures of a 15 person business in for a sub five person business. I kind of meant in terms of the way that we manage things. So, you know, like say the back to work form, for instance, 
didn't get introduced until I really had to. Whereas actually, if it had been introduced early on, then that would have just been how things were done. Because I always wanted to grow the business. It wasn't like I planned to stay at five. So, you know, with that in mind, I, there were things I should have put in place sooner. But yeah, you're right. You're not going to, you don't need an office when you've got five people. Um, but maybe when you've got five people, you need a storage unit for them to meet you rather than coming to home. So yeah, it, it can evolve. But even, uh, I think the reason why it becomes absolutely necessary to have a return to work interview is because you don't necessarily know your staff that well. At sub five staff, you probably knew all their kids' names and you knew all of them, you knew what was going on. So did you need to necessarily have a formal, let's sit down and have a chat about, I mean, you, you know what was going on, whereas you get up to 15 staff and you probably don't have a clue what actually is going on in intricate detail in their lives. Yeah. So it's just it's just it's harder to introduce when you've already got a team in place. That's kind of the, the challenge with it. OK, so this you're going to like this one. It sounds not controversial. Am I, Am I though? <laughs> <laughs> OK, number my sixth way to prevent absenteeism. Right. Industry standard salary and benefits. Ooh, OK. Okay, I was like, where are we going with this one? So um, I like this because is there an industry standard salary and benefits? Because price is one that we debate extensively on the Facebook groups. And you and I have spent four years talking about price. We have put in, for anyone that hasn't heard of this before, in the DCBN, in the free resources, there is a, a what's it called? A cost, solar cleaners cost calculator. And it costs how much it actually costs you to work for every hour that you work. So we're looking at the numbers and there is quite a variation on actually what people charge. Um, but I'm going to throw this back again. Is there an industry standard pay? Ooh, interesting. And actually, if you think about the price variation from, say, £12 to £30 an hour plus is, it, plus is there the same variation in how much people get paid I'm not sure that there is um but yeah I don't I don't know is there an industry standard isn't it just at the moment just keep above minimum wage <laughs> wow it's interesting so what's minimum wage now we're going up in April 10 pounds 42 42 now and it's going to be 1144 is that right yes it's going up one pound and 2p so it's going up to 11 pounds 44 um so well that's the absolute minimum i'll be honest there's not a lot of cleaning companies with employed staff that are paying you know you're lucky if you can get up to sort of 12 50 13 pounds because if you look at the costs i mean given that their cleaning companies are maxing out most of them are maxing out at 25 plus vat very few are hitting 30 without that being in there so if we're maxing out at 25 pounds they're struggling to pay more than 12 50 or 13 because there just isn't the money in there. So, yeah. And the usual formula is that you should be charging at least twice what you're paying. So if you're paying 12 50 you need to be charging 25 But the thing is, so I always look at it as your staff cost should make up 60% of the cost. But if they're employed, what people aren't necessarily including in that is the holiday, the taxes, the national insurance, the pension, well, at £12.50, that's coming to more than 60%. So it's it's an interesting one, that one. Um, and also on top of this, we've talked about employed staff. There are a lot of self-employed. But I'm seeing business owners that are, for example, they're charging 18 and they're paying the staff 17. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, self-employed staff are being paid up to, it's not unusual that it can vary anything between some I'm seeing are being paid 11 pounds an hour and some are being paid 18, 20 pounds an hour. Yeah. So is there an industry standard then? For self-employed, it's like the Wild West out there, isn't it? But what about for employees? Is it minimum wage upwards? Is that it? It's minimum wage, but again, they're struggling as employers, unless you're doing something more specialist, like um, after builders cleans, carpet cleans, there's higher profit areas. Really, they're maxing it out. It's kind of from the minimum of sort of your £11.50 up to £13. And if you're being paid travel time, it's getting tight, isn't it? There's not that much variation at the moment. Do you think as an industry, you know, if we're talking about attendance, does how much they get paid have an effect? Interestingly, I um, entered this from the corporate world when I entered the cleaning industry and the corporate thoughts and, and theory is that if you pay them more people will be more committed to their work you know you know better at it you'll get better staff in my experience it made zero difference to being able to recruit zero difference to absenteeism and zero difference to motivation like I don't know what I was doing wrong but when I tried upping the pay lowering the pay obviously over the years I've, I've tried various ways it made no difference what about you? Well, I think, you know, we've we've already discussed the reasons why the attendance is what it is. And it's not financial. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I mean, yeah, we we pay as much as we can um, and we we pay as much as we can to obviously look after them, but also so that we can attract the right people. But I don't think it's what keeps them in work. And I think what keeps them out of work are all the things going on around them rather than the actual work itself or the pay. Do you think that you and I are coming at this from maybe a point of view of running um cleaning business with employed staff that are all part time? Do you think that if you had full time staff, then actually it would have a bigger impact? So the pay would actually have a bigger impact if they were full time staff, because you're saying, well, actually, it's the flexibility that makes more of an impact. But that's because you're coming at it from a quite a set business structure. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, anybody that works full time is they're a lot more reliant on the income and also they've probably got more structure around their caring responsibilities. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to work full time. So, yeah. Two so do you think if they're full time and you're actually advertising at more of a salary, then you would look at, it would have more of an impact. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes to actually the cleaning team, for us, that's just not a physical possibility to work full time. Okay. So in conclusion, Diane, <laughs> is there ever a conclusion? Yeah, just deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so putting back to work uh, interviews, understand that these people are not bad people, I think is the one thing. Um, do what you can. And I think the answer is do everything in your power to make it the best place possible. And actually, you talked, um, spoke about some of your staff don't meet other staff. And actually, one of the things that really people work for the team, I know my staff, if they get split up from their partner and have to go with one they're not so keen on, they will literally quit their job. And I'm going, oh, my Lord. Now, normally they come back because I'm going, you literally you like the company, you like the managers, you like the work, but you don't like that your partner left. Why are you leaving? They leave, then they come back and they go, oh, that was a mistake. And I'm like, yes, yes, it was. Why would you do that? Um, 
But yeah, well, I think one of the biggest challenges to people working remotely and away from the office as compared to, you know, working in an office where everybody's all together all day is that team building. And that can be a big part of attendance. But I do think that a lot of the attendance issues are based around things outside of work. Okay. I love it. So for anyone listening, then basically get your team to all clean in the same area, have a team and back to work forms. And also, I think as a business owner, accept that this is kind of part of it. Um, You know, if you've got a cleaning business and you've got a team, this is something you're going to have to learn to manage and deal with. And actually, you know, you can build in some contingency into the schedule. You know, don't give your team too many hours in a day so that you've got a bit more flexibility. But I know that the less staff you have, the harder it is to have that contingency. And the more often you're going to be the one stepping in. Um, but we talked about that on other podcasts. It does get better. <laughs> so let's just talk about this for a second in terms of numbers, going back to it. Now, we work on, so if we look at the actual stats, and I'm going to go back to six, sickness rates, absence rates in 2023, hit 7.8 days per year on average. Now, let's assume, let's just assume that cleaning cleaners are actually hitting higher absence rates we would work on expecting it to be around about 10%. Okay. So that is pretty much the same as uh, state funded secondary schools, state funded special schools. We know some of it's authorized, some of it's unauthorized, but we're looking about 10% absence rates. If you knew that you were going to be running a business with 10% absent rates, okay, would you put yourself as the cover for those 10% absent rates? Um, I think as a start out, absolutely. Um, because it's it's just sensible. It's covering that that's going to happen. And then when it doesn't happen, great, you get a bit of time back. But what often happens is we fill the schedule to 100%, yep. including ourselves. And I've yep. done this as well. So actually, you know, you, you, you're over, you've overloaded the schedule and classed yourself as a resource in that 100%. And then, you, you know, if you're only going to have 90% attendance, you're never going to be able to cover all those. And do you think that's what happens a lot as business owners? We kind of look at it and go, right, I'm a really successful business owner. I can get all this work in. I can book us out to 100%. I'm a success. But that doesn't actually mean I'm, a success. I'm going to be a very busy success. Yeah, and and I think you it's a risk. 100% booked is a risk. You know, so if you think actually 90% booked is where I'm aiming for, then you 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 know, you you continue to grow the business in the same way. You're not going to be losing money because actually there are people going to be having holidays and things like that all the time. So 90% is probably about right. So what we're saying is if you had a team of 10 then one person on average would be off every day. Now that's not the way it works. You'll have three days with no absence and one day with three. Yeah. That, they do it every time, every time. But like that on average, you'd be looking at one person a day. So if you, for example, didn't have some kind of cover or contingency booked in and you were the cover, you would be cleaning every single day. Yep. And that's the reality. And I suspect that some people listening to this are going, oh, <laughs> yes <laughs> that's me because it was me it was definitely it me in the first few years absolutely for far too long 
um, yeah. because I hadn't realized. And one of the things that we do with our team is most of our team can work more than four hours a day. They can work probably five hours if they've got children to pick up or some of them will even do six. But their contract is for four. Um, because I actually would only rather have them working sort of between four and five rather than have them all booked out for six every day. Okay, so a lot of people listening to this, the biggest problem is that actually they they come to us and they say, my team are unreliable. I can never get off the tools and actually fix the problems in my business because my team are unreliable. Given that we've just said the stats, are their team unreliable? No more than anyone else's normal normal not great but um but they can never get off the tools because they're always cleaning and covering if you were talking to a business if I had it was a business that was like had 10 staff and I was going Diane what do I do I'm always covering like I'm not even booked in I never book myself in but yet every day I'm cleaning how am I ever meant to get off the tools reduce and just recruit more people to get to that 90 percent yeah just recruit that sounds really easy and I know that recruiting is hard but also there's an element here of you said about you know my team are unreliable and there's, there's a really good expression which is you get the team you deserve but actually that's a bit unkind in this industry because actually your team probably aren't unreliable and it's possibly not your fault it's just that you haven't realized this 90 percent thing and actually you're overbooking the schedule so could you book everyone out to 80 percent I don't see why not. I think you've got to look at the numbers in your business. And actually, if you think about my team for, you know, between four and six hours, they probably are only booked out to 80 percent. Yeah, they are. Well, that's that's actually what 66 percent you're telling me you're booking them to. You're like, I can go up to that. But, you know, if you did six hours every day, you'd have, have unhappy staff. But as we've said, it fluctuates when they're off. So. So, yeah, if we're aiming at 80 percent booking, then you would then have enough capacity that actually the staff could cover for each other. But how many business owners will realize that and almost take that financial hit of going, I'm only going to book them to 80 percent because it doesn't look good on the books, does it? They go like I'm turning down work that I know I could fit in the schedule. It doesn't it doesn't sound nice, but it's it's scalable. If you want to continue growing you're going to you're just going to keep compounding the same problem it's like you know keep doing the same thing you've always done you'll get the same results that you've always got so if you're going to continue to book the schedule out at 100% you're going to stay on the tools okay so i'm going to wrap this podcast we up pull because... punches on this podcast sometimes do we <laughs> no well i think i think this has been a really interesting one i think for a lot of people listening to this um it's probably like open their eyes a little bit that actually their team is not terrible. They are not facing problems alone. And actually their problems, the solution to their problems is not what they thought it was, that they need to change some system or something else. It's literally look at your booking processes because you are not going to solve the absence rates. There are things you can do to improve it, definitely, and you should be doing those. But fundamentally, there is always an absence problem. And that's just how it is. So if you liked this podcast, we would really appreciate if you would like uh, like us. Um, what's it called? Like, subscribe. Right. Um, and the other thing we love, feedback. By all means, drop us an email to um, Diane or Louise at dcbn.org.uk. Um, join us in one of the Facebook groups. You can write us messenger um, feedback. We absolutely love and we are getting an awful lot of podcast, um, what do you call them, subscribers? They're not subscribers, joiners from all around the world. So 
today has been quite UK based, some of these figures, and you might find them different in your country, but they're probably going to be really similar. But the great thing is we get about 4,000 people listening every month now, don't we? So thank you so much. Thank you. And I hope, yeah, keep subscribing and we'll keep making them better and get you better and better guests as well. And we'll keep doing more research, keep seeing what we can do to improve the cleaning industry. Thank you, Diane. Thank you.